0: Welcome to the Fly Culture Podcast, bringing you interviews, reviews and fishing tips. Here's your host, Pete Tyges. Welcome back everyone to the Fly Culture Podcast. I'm Pete Tigis. Um, I'm on the river. Uh, it's my home river. It's the tour. Um, it's very, very, hardly surprisingly, very, very early in the season. I'm just walking up the river now and um, it's ridiculous. Well, it's about half past nine. You know, it's not the best time for fishing um, this time of year, but it's about 10 degrees. And to be honest, I was just too, too excited. I just really, really wanted to go fishing, see if I could find a trout or two. Like everyone else, we've had a fair bit of rain here. And the river's just, it does take a little bit of time to clear down. But it looks as though there is some visibility. I'm sort of standing on a high bank now looking down into the river. And it does look as though there is some visibility. I'm probably going to, because the river still has a bit of a push to it as well, I'm probably going to concentrate my efforts in slacker water more than anything else. And see how we get on there. But it's funny seeing the river this time of year you know it looks incredibly stark and bare um, no leaves on the trees obviously and then I sort of kind of as I walk up I imagine what it would probably be like in summertime too but the river here it's the upper tour it's the tour fishing club uh, water which I've been a member of for many 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 years now and so the river here isn't particularly big um, it's probably at its widest probably 15 feet or so. It's a really lovely, honest little stream. Um, It's about five minutes away from where I live, which is really handy. And like I say, I like heading up the system early in the season. For me our rivers are not like some of the welsh rivers for example that you know you're going to get large dark olive hatches and fish are going to start rising our stream isn't really like that it's really the granum as i think i've said before that really get the fish starting to rise but um it's just nice to be out and just being on my home river it like i say it means so much to me and i'm i'm really feel really lucky to be able to make the short drive just to um go fish it So I've made the short walk upstream, and I've come to a pool that is very special to me. Um, A few years back, now um, I wasn't very well, and after I was a little bit fitter, my friend Nick came round and said, "Come on, I'm going to take you fishing." And we came to this very spot, and I said to him, "All I want to do is be able to catch a dry fish on a dry fly, and then I can go home. I'll be really, really happy." And It was one of those wonderful moments that I rigged up and tied on the fly, made a cast and a fish came for it straight away. And I hooked it straight away, which I took as a really positive sign it was a really special moment i think i had a little tear running down my the side of my face i can't remember if nick did now or not but if not i think he may have been close to it but it was one of those really magical moments and that's why this means a lot to me so it's a really nice place for me to start um i rigged my rod up i've got a i was thinking about fishing bamboo and apologies luke i was going to fish um his seven foot four weight super fast but I've got a sense that I may need to chuck something a little bit heavier. So I went for a, a graphite rod, 7 foot 10. It's, it is a two weight, um, but it's a really cracking little rod. It's not a current rod. It's not a, a right on the, the money rod for the this moment, but it seems to work really, really well. And if I'm fishing a duo, which I'm fishing today, so I've got a big caddis fly um, set up and then i've actually uh, attached it new zealand style really to the bend of the hook and then i've got about three foot of tippet from there and a black flashback nymph there which um with a little bit of color in the water i think it's not a bad choice hopefully if there's any fish that want to play then they may be able to pick this up nice and easily but i'm going to get into the river for the first time make a few casts and see how i get on so that's the first pool fished, and I know this one having been a member of the fishing club for many, many years now. I kind of know the little spots and the little nooks and crannies fish may be in. And it's at the sort of tail of this pool, really, that it's nice flat water. I'm sort of standing on true right bank side or and looking upstream and casting. Uh, up and across to my right towards the true left side and it looks pretty flat water but the pool there at the tail there is a little bit deeper than you actually think and fish often do sit there and and when we do start getting much more by way of hatches that I can often um, pick up a fish on a dry fly there looking upstream a little bit this next little section is brings back another happy memory and it's really funny being on the river how memories come flooding back particularly at this early stages in the season as well and i remember i'd been fishing my friend toby and we've been fishing the torridge and it was in april and like i say it's the granum usually that the fish wake up around there in in march time it's there isn't a great deal going on with the with the trout fishing but um there can be sometimes but it, not often um and i had been fishing the torridge my friend toby we thought we might get lucky with some granum we caught some fish which was great and i said come on let's let's head back to the tour and we came in here and we'd seen some fish starting to eat granum and we did one of those things i don't know if you're the same but i love sharing a rob with somebody and not sort of guiding each other but just sort of you know a bit of banter and taking the mickey out of each other when something doesn't always go to plan. But he made this cast and this fish came out, hit the granum emerger, and we la- I landed it for him. And I think we were fishing a one weight that I had at the time and he managed to get in this fish very very easily I have to say Um, and it was about 16 inches or so and it was an amazing fish for how far up the river we were and again you know a standard fare really here if I'm catching a 12 inch fish I'm really really happy so it was a really spectacular fish and it seemed almost the right place or the right time to stop after that so yeah it's funny how all these sort of memories come flooding back to you when you come back to somewhere so familiar and actually just looking up there's a bend here and another time I was fishing with Toby up here he would not I don't think he'd caught a sea trout and I said look this is the spot where there may be one and he had one really whack the dry I remember it really really well We were due to head further down the river, actually, to um, fish properly for sea trout and swing flies and everything else. But I said, look, there's sometimes a chance with a big dry fly that you can bring one up and something really did whack it. So that was kind of fun. So seeing that the sun's come out. Um, which is encouraging. So it'll be fascinating to see, you know, this time of year, it's really lunchtime, I guess. And just after that, you're going to hope that you're going to start to see some movement. There's no real sign of any bugs on the water at the moment. The odd midge here and there, but not a great deal. Visibility there is, Clarity in the water, it's anywhere near, nowhere near, sorry, being clear in any way, shape, or form. But the sun's out, it's on my back at the moment. The wind's ease back a little bit now. There's lambs in the field, uh, it feels like a wonderful spring day. So, that's a couple of pools fished. I've just come round that corner I was describing to you where Toby rose the sea trout into a really nice little run. My gut is that the water is probably a little fast to hold a fish, but that means I'll probably get proved wrong. One of the nice things when you're back on the river again is casting the line and seeing if you feel a little bit rusty. And I'm really pleased everything seems to have slotted into place really, really nicely. One of the things I'm really thrilled about though is my eyesight and I can still thread the flies without needing glasses. I carry a spare pair now just in case. And I think sometimes when the water, uh, sorry, the light is a little bit overcast that I struggle sometimes. Um, But at the moment I seem to be hanging in there really well. So I'm really pleased with that. So I've got a real positive from that. water that I'm fishing I should have described that a little bit better is really sort of shin to thigh deep at the deepest I've just crossed uh, one of the pools and I I got sort of yeah thigh deep really in it um so the water isn't particularly deep hence me that's why I'm tending to fish the um New Zealand setup I could nymph it but I don't really want to to be perfectly honest it's just really nice casting a fly line and and seeing it go out and I'm just really enjoying that aspect of it but like I say the sun's out at the moment there is a a bit of a breeze that's making it a little bit cooler but it's just really really nice Well, what do I know? Absolutely nothing. The little running I was just previously describing, I saw a little bit of slack where two areas of it actually uh, almost joined. And there was a slack run and I just let my fly go down there and the dry dipped and I set on it and it was a fish. And I was definitely more surprised than the trout was. There's no two ways about that. It's a beautiful, beautiful trout of about eight inches or so, Looks in really great condition, absolutely stunning. Um, I can't believe how long I've been doing this, and I still shake with excitement. I'm just going to have a sit down for two minutes now, just take it all in before I head a, a little bit further upstream and have a look in some more pools. But just goes to show that sometimes following your gut, and I do describe that I didn't feel I'd have a fish there, but i had to give it a try anyway i find it really difficult to walk past um water and and leave it one of the other things i had been doing as well in this faster water was casting it upstream uh relatively short line and just d- jigging the the dry a little bit i was fishing like i say pretty short and just jigging it and at the end of the um run just lift the dry up really really slowly and obviously the nymph followed that as well so but this one just took it they drifted and yeah i'm super pleased super surprised and super happy i don't know if you're the same but if i get lucky to catch a fish that I always like to try and understand why I caught it and what was the reason for the fish to be sitting actually where it was because I had it in my mind that it was going to not be in fast water I was going to find fish but like I said to you that the water has a sort of a bit of colour to it at the moment and I'm sort of standing near where I caught it and it's a little bit shallower and I wonder if the water is just a little bit clearer. And so it's easier for the fish. It's sitting in the feeding position as well, but I wonder if it's easier for the fish to actually see a little bit better as well, so there's a little bit more clarity in the water. I don't know if that's the case or not, but we all love a theory, right? So I've just fished the tail of a pool. It gets a little bit too deep, I think, for me to get up through at the moment. Um, I can see there's been a little bit of work um, been done along here there's been some fences put up to keep livestock away um, from the river as well which is great news and the club here um, do some amazing stuff to ensure that the habitat for the trout is the odds are put in the trout's favour it's not so it's nice easy cast the whole time they're thoughtfully done there's large woody debris secured in the river um, it's really well looked after and and cared for which is nice to see um, I was going to talk a little bit about my setup as well and I said about having um, a New Zealand dropper, the way I've always seen it, and I, I know my friends, I may be wrong, so please correct me if I am, but the way I look at it is a New Zealand dropper is something that um, I attach the nymph to the bend of the hook, um, that's how I tend to see it anyway, and the when I will fish that, is more likely if it feels to me that the fish are unlikely to come for the dry fly. So I'm fishing the dry purely as an out-and-out indicator. But um, if I think there's a chance of fish uh, rising, then I'll go for the duo system and have a very short two-inch dropper where I'll attach my dry to that and then have the nymph um, on there. And they all have their advantages and disadvantages, really. For me, the New Zealand setup if I've got it attached to the bend of the dry fly then I feel I'm in slightly better direct contact with the um, nymph so that if a fish does take then I can set on it pretty quickly. The slight disadvantage and it took me years to get over this because I'd had fish eat the dry when I had the the nymph tied to the bend of the hook but I definitely noticed my hook up rate was better when I had that duo um set up so that short dropper and the dry on there obviously when it's there it's not quite as in line with the nymph so subtle takes it may not pick up and it's interesting i may have mentioned on previous podcasts i remember being on chalk stream and watching a friend i was standing on a bridge looking down watching him fish in new zealand set up and grayling consistently coming for the fly but nothing um registering with the dry fly and that's kind of where these newer euro nymphing techniques come in that you've got such great sensitivity and you're really in close contact with what's actually happening with the nymphs as well so you know i think with no matter what the duo dry uh, duo new zealand dropper sometimes you're probably not gonna always register takes on there but it doesn't matter too much to me but i think that those little subtleties it may help confidence a little bit as well that if you've got the right rig on that feels right to you you probably fish a little bit better and a little bit more confidently as well so that's how I kind of think about it but those little subtleties to me do make a difference and you know we'll wait and see what happens but I'm getting to a nice little spot now Um, I had probably one of my nicest fish from and I was fishing with a friend and I was fishing this rod actually it's a number of years ago and the fish were just starting to get on mayflies and my friend Duncan ties a really cool mayfly pattern called the Mega May, and I think it was probably the first year he'd been using it uh, or tied it and very kindly gave me some and I flipped into this little bit of it's a lovely Tree comes out probably five foot from the bank, but holds the flow back a little bit, and there's often fish in there. This is going to kick me in the backside. Now I've said this, but it will often hold a fish back, um, hold the water back. Sorry for a fish to actually um, take advantage of. So I'm going to throw a few flies in there and see what happens. Like I say, I'm not expecting great shakes today. I'm just astounded I caught a fish. You know, very often open sea, open start of season is pretty kind. Quiet from a trout point of view but it's been really really enjoyable just um, being back out somewhere I love so much so I covered covered the pool um, and nothing going on I've walked a tiny way upstream again and I was looking at the sort of clarity and I was thinking about a uh, little bit about it and try to describe it a little bit better and then it suddenly made me think oh perhaps I should tell you a little bit more about the tour as well as it means so much to me and I thought you might find it interesting it runs I think for about 40 odd miles or so it starts on Dartmoor on the north side of Dartmoor not a million miles away from Oakhampton and then runs down to eventually meet the sea in its sister river the Torridge Um, Barnstable way Um, there are some major tributaries to the tour we've got the yo uh, we've got the little dart and we've got the mole which is the biggest one and that probably is uh, certainly above where it joins the main river. It's probably a similar sort of size as the main river there as well. Um, so that's the, the the river. What I wanted to talk a little bit about as well was the coloration in the water. And the reason it takes a little bit of time for our river to clear up because a lot of the farmland around here, the soil is a red color. So it does, the the river gets this sort of, reddish tinge when there's been rain and and becomes very chocolatey as well but it's sort of got that tinge to it at the moment which in some respects you know when i'm hunting daytime sea trout i think it's never crystal crystal clear it's pretty close to it at times but um, when i'm hunting daytime sea trout i think that little bit of um color in the water does uh, give me a little bit of an advantage as well but um, I thought that'd be interesting just to tell you a little bit about that also when I record these as well what I try and do is just say what I'm feeling at the time so there's nothing edited I don't make second takes I just sort of go with what comes out of my mouth and what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling at that time because I think probably if you're listening to this or if you're fishing you probably do the same too so I, I just wanted to be really transparent with what I was thinking and and um, what I was doing. So sometimes there might be some things that don't make a whole load of sense. So I apologise for that, but um, I hope that gives you a sense of what I'm trying to do with this as well. But this little pool, again, it's one of those ones where there's a little. It's probably thirty feet long, twenty five feet long, goes against the far bank, and it's just a nice little run in that goes to a deep. Uh, deeper section hits uh, the bank and then a tree and flows around the tree at the back there it's a little bit deeper but I'm wondering you know given what I'd said about where I'd previously had my fish if this is going to be a similar sort of story as well and perhaps there is a fish in that slightly clearer water in a feeding position perhaps looking to pick up a nymph or or two Um, so I'll give that a try and see how I get on with that. So I'm just having a sit down for a couple of minutes really and and thinking through what's been happening so far. Um, I tried the pool I described earlier. Uh, dead drifting f- the flies through and then trying to induce a fish and it, it didn't happen one of the things that struck me while i've been sitting here where well, you'd have been amused trying to watch me scramble up a bank as well so i've had to wash my hands where i've been completely caked in mud but managed to pull myself up but one of the things i've been thinking about is the approach early season i'm sort of kind of subconsciously doing it that i'm covering water relatively quickly I know the river takes time to warm up so I'm just trying to find it almost often feels as though you're looking for that fish that your is going right over the top of it because I don't think they're darting around looking for stuff actively at the moment and putting it in perspective the fish uh, the river here doesn't have huge populations of trout so we're not Uh, got lots to go at at the moment not that I'm using that as any kind of excuse or anything but I think I'm trying to think through the mindset of how I'm fishing and and why I'm doing it at the moment and trying to get that across a little bit as well and yeah I'm covering water pretty quickly so I'm looking for where I've caught a fish but also where I think a fish might actually be and I've got a couple more pools um, to go at and then we'll see how we get on from there. This pool that I'm standing at the moment, funnily enough, where I started the podcast, where I said I fish with Nick, this is actually where we got out. And we had a really nice session here. And, you know, I think out of this pool, and I think we had two, three, four fish. It was really good to us. It's, it's a longer pool by this stream standards that's probably 30 feet long. Um, I'm standing on the true right bank so looking upstream the flows going down the right side of the bank there it's a really nice one and I know in a month or so's time that I'm probably going to be picking fish up through here as well and particularly as I've said before when the granum are going so I'm going to give this a go with the duo there's one little spot um, just up from here that I'll give it a go and then I'll have a wander back and and have another think through of, of what's happened in this morning's session. So I've fished the longer pool, probably in my very humble opinion, a bit too quickly. Um, Just above this one, there's a tree, great old oak um, that comes out. And I guess where the roots and where time has worn away a pot. And you've got to, it's one of those ones you could easily walk by. It's probably, I'm looking at it now, and it's probably only 10 feet long if that not even that probably and probably five feet wide and I've had some really fun fishing in this pot and I think I probably fished the the pool previously too quickly because I was excited about seeing this one and unfortunately the river's just a bit too strong for it to the It's sort of the the water's running over it and through it really quickly. So there isn't like a pot as such. It's just a pretty even, pretty fast run of water. But once that river drops a little bit more, it's a really great little place to pick up fish. And it's one you might put one or two casts in if you spot it, but you may easily walk past it. But spending a bit of time on there, I remember sitting watching fish. And I was amazed how many fish were actually sitting in there by our standards as well. So, yeah, I didn't play the last two pools um, as well as I possibly could have done. But I've had, I've only been on the river a couple of hours, but it's just been perfect. It's that real shot in the arm. Um, We've been really busy. Uh, When you're listening to this one, sort of the weekend, uh, we had the magazine delivered, which means Emma and I sort of, take it off the lorry, unpack each box, then pack all of the magazines into the envelopes, put the stickers on, repackage them again. So we've been busy doing that over the weekend and the social media that goes with it. I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone as well for supporting us. The print run has gone up uh, quite dramatically again for this issue and it's going really, really well. So I really have to thank you so much for supporting believing and enjoying what we're doing um from all of us really it's just been such a pleasure to put fly culture together and for me this is kind of that special time because when this goes out the first copies of the spring edition will start appearing either the day this goes out the day after or the monday and it's really thrilling to see uh the The feedback from people uh, as to whether they've enjoyed this one or not, and I'm really proud of this as I am of all of them. You know, we don't put it out; we don't have a stronger issue other than over others. We try and make every issue the best that we possibly can, and and I really love this one, and hope you enjoy this one too. So I'm going to make the walk back now. It's been, like I say, it's just been really cool to be, first of all, back on the river again, um, and the river's been good to me in that couple of hours you know often this time of year I'm not really expecting to catch a great deal and I've sort of had in my mind really that I really wouldn't bother targeting the trout until sort of April time um, and concentrate on the salmon but the river where we salmon fish where I did the previous podcast with Emma is still just a little bit big and if it's got some colour in here then it's going to be worse downstream at the moment the river is starting to drop back but we'll probably hit that in the next day or two uh conditions allowing it but it's just been a pleasure to be back on this little stream uh the place I call my home water I hope if you are listening to this what you kind of get what I'm talking about and what it means to you and the familiarity of a of your home water is One of the really cool things, and I think I said on the other podcast as well, often when you come back after the layoff when the season starts, because we don't have grayling in the river here, that it is that sort of long layoff. You you wait and see if the river's the same, if the pools have changed a little bit. And it's pretty much as I remember it, which is really, really cool. And it's just been nice to see those spots. I probably only fished half a dozen pools, if that. Um, But that's been enough for me um, and I've really enjoyed it. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to this one as much as I have been talking to you about it. And I've done my best to try and describe everything, what I'm doing, a few thoughts as I go along the way and hope you enjoy this one. So as ever, there'll be plenty more podcasts coming very, very soon. But thanks very much indeed for listening. The Fly Culture podcast is brought to you in association with Fly Culture, a quarterly print magazine. For more information, please visit flyculturemag.com. You can also find Fly Culture on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.